0: Welcome to the Garden Culture Podcast, hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I'm a self-taught gardener, busy wife and mother, and small business owner on a mission to live a garden-inspired life. Each month, we will explore what's going on in the garden and fields, as well as get to know incredible people who infuse their own lives with the magic of the garden. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned here, please visit us at baileyvantassel.com podcast. I had the incredible, incredible honor of getting to interview Mark Peacock and you guys are going to love what he has to say. So Mark is a ceramist, gardener, and he's actually from the UK. You may know his very famous partner, Jonathan Van Ness, JVN. And I got to know Mark by way of JVN's obsession with pumpkins one year, which you'll hear us talk about. But I was so excited to get to know Mark because he's an avid gardener and it's been so fun to watch his gardening journey as he takes what he learned and his upbringing in the UK, brings that to the US and shares with us his passion and his approach to everything. What I learned in interviewing him is actually that he has an extensive background in Um, garden design, like landscape design. And so just listening to his journey, um, his upbringing and how he got to where he is now is so incredible. And in fact, I loved our conversation so much. I think we're going to need to do a part two, Um, but I know you guys will love Mark. He's so fantastic. And I know you're going to love this episode. So tune in. All right. Hello, Mark. How are you today? I'm
1: very well. Thank you. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm so grateful to have you on the podcast. I've been an admiring fan checking out your gardening and ceramics online. And so I'm super (laughs) excited to chat with you
1: about it today. Perfect. I can't wait to have a discussion about it.
0: So I have to say, first and foremost, so I found you um, when there was a bunch of pumpkin action happening in your garden and I think it was one garden um, before the one that you're having now
1: yes 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 every year there's a, a fascination with and we can go into how the whole fascination of the gardening thing happened but basically every year there's a fascination so first year was watermelons second year was pumpkins and that's the year you're referring to when the pumpkin obsession happened.
0: yes so are you saying is this with you or with your partner
1: I'm kind of like a general, and I might have the odd fascination, but my partner, um, Jonathan, gets fixated on one specific thing every year. And it's like everything in the kitchen sink is thrown at it to make it a success. <laughs> and that's really love- what kind of happens.
0: Yes. Um, so your partner, Jonathan Van Ness, is sort of a popular figure in culture. Um, and yep. have you been the one to get them into gardening?
1: Yeah, I would say um, I was. I mean, it all started with the pandemic, and um, obviously, I I garden for years, and you know, the English culture of gardening is there, and you know, everything. So it's always been ingrained into me. But then when we were uh, we were basically we used to live in Manhattan, and then where I was filming, and then moved to Austin, Texas. Because of and then filming shut down. So it was kind of here. So we, we rented a lake house instead of staying in this apartment block. And there was kind of like a garden that was backed onto Lake Travis. And um we basically went to the I managed to persuade because there was nothing you could do. You couldn't go inside anywhere, you couldn't do anything. So I realized that the garden centres were open. And prior to living in America, I lived in London above a tube station and didn't have a garden for 10 years. So the th- you know, coming to America and be had opportunities to have a little bit of a garden. I was like, okay, well let's go to the garden center and see what we can find. And so we went to the garden center and then he kind of just one step after another, he kind of like we saw this thing called a veggie pod, which mm. um allowed you to kind of grow vegetables and it held water and had like a shade canopy and stuff. So um we we did that. And then after that it kind of just And then we went and got some hulk fencing because squirrels were starting to steal stuff. And then we built this kind of cage around everything. And then the kind of obsession started. And then, um, yeah, and that's how the kind of gardening thing kind of came off the back of the pandemic and boredom and trying to find something to kind of do with our time.
0: I love that. I am a mix of the two of you where I have a general enthusiasm. I'm always going to be gardening. I'm obsessed. I can never talk or consume enough information about it, but I do fixate each season on some, like one crop. I tend to have one, something that I'm just, I'm either testing out something new one year, it was cucamelons. And it was like, I will cultivate these cucamelons if it's like the last thing I do, everything else dies, but the cucamelons. Um, So I'm a combination, but I think it's fun to, it's like a hyper fixation plant in the garden.
1: Yes that very much happens here very I much so I love that
0: so um, was it different gardening here than it is where you grew up because we i mean we sort of have our us hardiness zones and so depending on where you are in the country obviously the conditions are different was that unique for you or was it fairly similar
1: so i basically i arrived on the 14th of march 2020 the last flight that took off from the UK landed in America Whoa, and that okay. was it, I didn't go for two years. Wow. And so um, I kind of just landed here and then I was like, oh, when we had the garden, I was like, I'm going to create an English garden mm-hmm. so I could feel more like home. And then the reality of the heat hit mm. and I was like, okay, well that's not really going to happen. And then everyone was like, oh, it never snows in Austin. It never gets cold. You know, if it snows, it's like a flurry and then melts. And then that year that snowpocalypse came and oh my gosh. in the March and literally destroyed everything.
0: Oh, like Plants were
1: dying, trees were exploding. Like we were sitting in our living room. This is when we'd actually moved into our permanent house, which is the one with the pumpkins, It's a okay. different house we're in now, but you would be sitting there because um, it was kind of warm in February, so all the water had started to rise back up the trunks of the trees. But then the cold snap came in March and the temperature plummeted down to like minus whatever it was. And basically from that, the water in the trunks froze. Then water, when it freezes, expands, and then the trees were basically just like imploding or exploding. Oh, my and word, just that's like crazy.
0: That's you crazy. Were just sitting
1: in your living room, and you just heard like and they would just explode. I think we lost like 20 or 30 trees in oh our garden gosh. that year, so it was kind of like a shot, and it. it was kind of like having to learn like the extremes of weather. Like in the UK, it's kind of like the middle ground, you know, mm. it gets cold and yeah. it gets hot in relative forms of like we don't have air conditioning so it feels a lot hotter but like the average summer in the uk is kind of like june may june july of what i'm experiencing now so interesting um so it is kind of different um and there are a lot of things that i really would love to grow which are a complete struggle like this year has kind of been a little bit of a Disaster just because the intensity of the heat. Like we've had probably two, three days of rain mm. um, since I don't know May or something, and then but the sun has been so intense. So like you know, things are growing, but nothing's fruiting. Like tomatoes, they're producing the flower and then it's just dropping off. Or you know, the leaves are just curling in on themselves just because of the heat. So now we're like putting up these shade cupboards everywhere. Which yeah. the kind of aesthetic gardening in me is like, oh, I hate all this yes. stuff. It looks so ugly. It's rid of the, <laughs> uniformity, you know, the uniformity of yes. everything that I kind of put into the design. But it's yes. kind of an essential thing to kind of get everything growing.
0: Yes, that's been a struggle for me as well.
1: I went on off a tangent. Did that answer? <laughs> no,
0: it completely <laughs> did. What... But I want <laughs> details. So what are the things that you wish you could grow that you feel like you just can't?
1: Rhubarb. Oh, hundred percent. Right. Rhubarb. Mm. I love rhubarb. And it just I can't find a spot where it mm. just doesn't I mean next year I'm gonna try it in like deep shade and just see if it see if it's it can withstand the heat. Yeah. I just don't know quite yet what it is. I mean it's also it's probably quite a water dependent plant. Mm. So it could be just too dry for it. I don't know. Rhubarb is three years I've been trying. I haven't quite yet landed on that. Um, also, I just wish we could have more like salad crops throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like lettuce. That's one thing, like, because obviously in the UK, you don't start, you know, nothing, things start going in the ground around like February. You might start doing your sowing in January, February but you may not like plant things out till like April, mm-hmm. May time once the kind of frost period has kind of cleared. I mean, in London and Essex where I grew up, it was slightly different because it didn't get as cold as like the Northern part of the UK. But generally that's kind of like prep time, things go in. And then, you know, your June, July, August, September is kind of like your full on mm-hmm. like growing season. You've got lettuce, like you could go out and you could pick a cucumber, you could pick a... Uh, an, an interesting, like really light lettuce, or a, a you know a little gem, or something like that, and you yeah. know some tomatoes, and you can make yourself a little salad, and that's your lunch. But like here, you know, it's getting to the point now where it's too hot for lettuce. You know, the tomatoes are too hot, and they're not really producing for us. Um, and then you know the cucumbers, obviously, they'll they'll produce here. So, you know, it is kind of swings around in terms of what you can grow. Like, there are things that I miss growing, but there's, I try and look at the spin in a positive way. There's more like things that you couldn't grow in the UK, like melons outside. You'd have to have a cold house, uh, like a, oh. a greenhouse or something like that to grow melons, or even like cucumbers in some part of the country. Um, you know, aubergine, um, eggplants, mm-hmm. um, tomatillos. Like, I would never have. I never even saw a tomatillo until I came here. Um, yeah. Okra, uh, things like that, which you know you would never grow in the UK. Like this year, I'm trying to grow loofahs. I had no idea. Like oh I did, I, yeah, I overplanted. I did the typical thing of like oh well, I'm going to plant lots. So I've planted lots, and now it's like this huge battle of the vines, like trying <laughs> to contain this. I didn't realize it was going to like take over like a triffid. but um. But yeah, it, it, it's interesting. It's so, interesting. Chili's, another one.
0: Oh uh, yeah, the ch- hot chilies. We well, get all that good like Southern yeah. southern crops down there, like okra and everything. I don't, I haven't attempted yeah. that yet. I mean, I'm in um, zone 10B, so I'm pretty far South in Southern California. And uh, I think I could grow all of that, but I, I haven't worked it into my like, plan my diet yet how i'm going to use it so (laughs) i feel like one year that could be like my hyperfixation crop
1: will be okra (laughs) in the last house we had this um it was just like a and i don't know whether it's the heat or the soil but basically it was this little bit of scrap scrap land which obviously in austin another thing i didn't realize is the soil here what soil you know, oh. you, it's all rock. And then oh. you get about, I don't know, 10 inches, if you're lucky, of soil before you hit the rock and then you're smashing rock to put soil in and improve it. Oh, so that's, that's why a lot of the vegetables are in raised beds. So with the okra, last year, I had a little space and I'd never grown them before. So I just put them against this wall and, you know, they couldn't really get a strong root system. I mean, it, you'd hit solid, like, I know what it is, limestone, and then the, I guess the roots would just skim across, but they grew so well. they were huge, and I was hacking them back this year's one, not so not so great. So I'm kind of figuring out whether it's the fact that the soil is better and they just prefer a you know mm-hmm. worse you know worse soil like a more nutrient poor soil rather yeah. than a nutrient rich soil. I'm not sure but uh, it's interesting. So I was trained. Tone take notes every year as to like, oh, that did well, that didn't do well, but that did well at the last house. Okay, so what's the difference? Like, what am I doing differently to kind of counteract that? And also yeah. one thing I really like to do, and um a lot of people they're like, I can't grow, I'm not green fingered. Like I hate it when someone says, I'm not green fingered, everyone yes. is green fingered, or there yes. is no such thing as green fingered. Yes. It's just you don't. You may be too overcaring, like overwatering. Everyone's like, I kill orchids. I'm like, I don't even touch my orchids until the leaves start to like crinkle. And I'm like, okay, this needs a little splash of water. Yes. And then it's like, just look at where they grow. They grow on trees. That means they can't hold water. So you mm-hmm. don't need to water them as much, you know? So I always tell people, like, if you're struggling with a specific plant, like look where it's actually from. Where does Ooh, it come I from? Love that. Does it come from The mountains in the Mediterranean. Okay. Well, we know that that's going to be probably a looser soil. So it's going to be more free draining. It's probably going to get hot. So it can withstand the heat and probably doesn't get much water. So it doesn't need much water. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So you kind of just decipher where the plant is originally from. You know, every plant you're sold in a garden center comes in the same medium Mm -hmm. that it's sold in. It's sold in a potting compost. But when it actually goes into the ground for it to fry, it, it may require different things than what it was given in the garden center, you know.
0: One of the things I love about gardening is I feel like it helped me <laughs> think differently because I became so passionate about it. I became very like investigative about it. Kind of like you're describing right. where it really helped me. And that sort of transcended yeah, yeah, yeah. throughout yeah. my life into yeah. other areas where now I'm just thinking more expansively and more independently. And it sort of gave me confidence in a sense to do independent thinking on a lot of things.
1: Uh-huh. Completely. And I mean, part of the reason it tells like certain people and you know, Jonathan and all right, is patience. I think if you Aren't that great with like patience and you kind of want to get everything done. And gardening is the perfect thing to teach you patience Mm. because there is no amount of that plant will grow however that plant wants to do. You could think, oh, I'm going to pour loads of, you know, seaweed on it and water. Okay. Well, you're probably just going to flood it and kill it and it'll be overriched with nutrients. So it's going to die. So you have to like follow the lead of plant, and you just have to be patient and wait. And if you're patient, then the plant will produce.
0: Yes, and I, think I love it's that. The
1: best thing teaching someone patience.
0: Okay, real quick, I want to tell you about the Kitchen Garden Society. It's my monthly gardening club for all levels of gardener and in all U.S. hardiness zones. We're helping gardeners everywhere save time, maximize your yield, and build your true instincts. Each month in the Kitchen Garden Society, you get a to-do list of what to be harvesting, sowing, and transplanting, as well as what you should tend and task to. You get seasonal recipes and deep-dive timely lessons to accompany the skills you're going to need in the garden this time of year. You hear from experts each month and get daily inspiration for seasonal living as well as the opportunity to share and ask questions in our members-only Facebook group. I hope you'll visit us at thekitchengardensociety.com and check it out. Jumping back into things, I actually wanted to hear a little bit more about your upbringing. You mentioned you grew Mm -hmm. up in London slash Essex, and I need to brush up on my knowledge of the UK. Okay. But um, tell me more about your upbringing. So what exactly does that mean, where you grew up and how did you get into gardening in the very beginning?
1: Uh, okay. So basically you have London and then you have the, there's five kind of, um, we call them counties. You don't really have them, but imagine like every state in America is a county, so you yeah. have basically London, and then there's five counties that circle London, and one of them is Essex. It's kind of to the northeast of London. And then Got it. on the there's a big road that goes around London called the M25, a big like um, highway that goes all the way around. And then just on the other side is a place called Brentwood. And if you've ever seen The Only Way Is Essex, the TV show, that is filmed in okay. So basically Brentwood is where I grew up. and. Okay. It's, um, it's called the Green Belt. So basically it's um, it's to stop urban sprawl from London expanding. Basically there are pockets of land that is designated Green, green Belt land, which can't be built on. So you can build on Brown oh, cool. Belt, but you can't build on Green Belt. So um, Brentwood is one of the kind of Green Belts, so it's kind of very green, foresty. It used to be like the hunting ground of Henry VIII kind of lots of kind of like things like that. So Essex is a pretty historical, um, county. So basically I grew up there. So I was lucky that, you know, I was in close proximity to London, like 20 minutes on the train or, you know, 15 minutes on the fast, super fast one. You could get into London, but I was kind of out in the kind of countryside. So I grew up there. Um, and we had a small garden. Um, my Grandmother, my mum's mum was really into gardening. And I remember her being probably a strong influence into my gardening. I remember going to hers, and she'd always like, you go into the greenhouse, and it would just smell of like tomatoes, where that mm. kind of tomatoy smell is kind of just like, you know, when you grow them outside here, you don't necessarily get a sense of that smell. Yeah. But when it's kind of like, trapped in the walls of glass, you walk in there and it's that real smell of like tomatoes. So I love you know that. she used to grow those and then she would grow like gourds, you know, and I'd always mm. be fascinated by these kind of different like spotted, like pumpkin looking things and she would just grow them. And I don't know why she would grow them, probably for decoration or something, but she would grow that. So, you know, I think also, you know, when you are English, it's kind of ingrained into your culture gardening um you know you, you grow up and friday night on bbc2 at eight o'clock is gardener's world and you'd sit down and you'd watch gardener's world or you know on the last weekend or the last week of may the chelsea flower is on and so you that's on every single night and you can watch chelsea flower show or there's always like some kind of gardening show on telly so you know you'd always be sitting down kind of doing that and you know growing up in the country like we would walk to school sometimes and there'd be like berries at the side of the you know the country lane you know my school there was only 70 I think 78 people in the school when I started and like 93 or something when I left and my year at school was 13 people so it was a pretty little small school and I remember my head teacher Mrs. Muir she um She, I mean, she did like a gardening club. And I remember like going to that sometimes. And, you know, we'd always be allowed outside in the playground and you go make like castles out of trees or, you know, they'd always try and get you outside as much as possible. And we, one of the castles was like a demountable, like a, you know, like one of these prefab war blocks. And it was in there. And I remember one year we, Got caterpillars and put them into cocoons and then netted off half the classroom and hatched the butterflies in the classroom and then kind of opened the door and let them out one day. So, you know, it was kind of a naturey environment of where I grew up. And um, oh, I love so that. Very much that. And then when I went to second, so it was kind of just a common thread that kind of ran through, yeah. you know. My kind of life, and you know, you always step out your back door and you've got a back garden, and you know, there's always like you either go out and cut the grass, or you know, mum would be out there doing a bit of weeding and you'd have a few pots that needed watering. So, you know, there was always kind of something. Um, and the I think the seasons played a big part. You know, there was very much a spring, autumn, summer, winter. So, you mm-hmm. know, it got. Winter and, you know, firework night, the 5th of November, the trees, the leaves would fall from the trees, and you could see the fireworks, and then winter would fall, and then you'd see those thirst buds of which I call like citrus green, those kind of leaves as they start unfurling on the kind of hawthorn trees at the bottom of the garden that we had. So you knew spring was coming. And I think also like we were just in England a little while ago and I really forgot how the light levels are different. Like mm. we were there and it was light until like 11.30 at night. And you, and you know, it was light. It, the sun rose at like 4 a.m. But then in the winter, and Jonathan's like, Oh, this is amazing. It's so light. I'm like, Yeah, but in the winter, it doesn't get light until, it, until eight in the morning and it's dark again by like three. So, oh, you know, yeah. you kind of spend a lot of time in, in the summer and you have like loads of light and you can be outside really late, but in the winter, it's dark. And like when especially when you start working, like you go to work in darkness and you leave work in darkness. So if you don't leave your desk that day, you've not seen the sunlight. So and obviously then it's mm. also gray a lot of the time. So it's just like light. It's not necessarily sunlight. So um basically, so that was that. And then kind of when I went to secondary school, which I'm not sure what you call high school, maybe. Yeah. Um I was kind of, it was kind of just like my teen years. But then I had a a friend, um, Joanna, who, so basically from my 13 people at primary school, when we moved to secondary school, they basically picked up the whole class and moved us together. So we were together for like 12 years of our life. We didn't really split because basically pretty much the whole of my primary school went to the same secondary school. So everyone Mm -hmm. that was going, they just moved us all together. So I kind of knew her for you know, a long period of time and she was a really good friend. And her parents were really into gardening and they had a much bigger garden than what I had. So, you know, they'd be out there and they had a greenhouse, which I was fascinated with because I was never mm. our garden was too small, so I could never have a greenhouse. So I kind of just like commandeered their garden by the time I got to school. <laughs> I love that. And then we had like a vegetable patch down the bottom of the garden. So then I would kind of like go down there and help um her mum Roberta. With uh, the gardening, and then that kind of, and then I'd go and see their grandparents, and their grandparents were really into gardening. So then, you know, I'd help Vic and Mary with their garden, and we'd be planting like zinnias, like bedding plants. And then he had arthritis, so he couldn't necessarily do a lot of the digging because his hands had started to twist. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like helping and doing the gardening. So that kind of extended my interest in kind of gardening. Um, all the way. And then I then got a job working in the NHS um, through Roberta. Um, and then I had a, a car accident and I had, but the job in the NHS was during the evenings. So I had a lot of free time during the day, which I would literally spend gardening the whole time. And at one point, oh, wow. I had a vegetable garden and an allotment. So an allotment is...
0: yeah. Um, It's like a community garden
1: out here. Yes, community garden. So I would have kind of the garden at the end of theirs plus my allotment, and I just literally work the two. And then, um, so I had loads of free time. And then you know, at five thirty, I'd quickly shower, and then I'd be in the end. There, I used to process blood, but I used to, um, I'd go process blood from six to eleven at night, and then the next morning, I'd wake up with my tools, walk the 10 minutes up the road carrying my spade to the allotment and <laughs> whatever so though I would kind of do that and then um during the day there was like an ag- once I could drive there was like an agricultural college called Rittle College and I had free time during the day so I was like I need to fill my days with something so then I went to I started doing like modules from this degree program and it was like what was the first one I think it was like garden and plants through time, which was like all like a historical, mm. like the history of plants and gardens from like oh, the cool. Neolithic period to the modern day and then like plant introductions, but then also like gardening styles and how the French influenced the English and how the English influenced the, you know, so on so forth. So it was kind of all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then I did a second module and then I had this car accident and then I thought I could buy a new car with the money or I could finish the degree. So then I went back and did the degree in um, landscape and garden design. And so basically like landscape architecture. Um, And that was like a, it was about four years of study.
0: Wow. So you got into a car accident. (laughs) Oh, obviously you were okay. But instead of replacing your vehicle, you went and got your degree in landscape design.
1: Yes. I love that.
0: (laughs) I love that so, so, so much. Oh my gosh. Okay. So continue. So you got your degree.
1: Uh Uh-huh. I got my degree. And it was when I, I remember because I was never the most academic person, you know, I was much more like a creative person rather than traditional academics. Mm. So when I got to secondary school, I did find it more difficult because it was such a, you know, like exams, like I've never been told I was dyslexic, but I know I'm dyslexic. Mm. So Uh You know, it was always a struggle when it came and everything was based on like a, an exam based marking system. I get top mm-hmm. marks in the kind of uh coursework or the practical side, but then that would like count for 20% and then 80% mm-hmm. was on this one exam, ah. which would always pull my grades down because, you know, I just couldn't do exams. I really struggled mm-hmm. with them. Yep. So the thought of going back, I never had the plan to go to university. I was always like, school's not for me. Definitely yeah. not. And then I remember speaking to people in the the lab, and I was like, Do you think university is like really difficult? And they were like, nah. Everyone just gets out and gets drunk, and you know, you do a <laughs> couple of lectures. <laughs> I was like, Okay, I'll sign up. That is not the case if you do any form of architecture discipline.
0: Ah, uh, like, yeah, yeah.
1: I was in there, and you know, I would. So basically, my day would be that I would wake up. Go to the gym or whatever, and then at six o'clock I would go to the studio at the university. I would work till five in the studio. I'd have to, I'd have one hour from five to six to get to the lab, and then I would work from six to eleven, and then I'd go back to the university maybe for an hour, two hours, and then I'd drive home, sleep for like four hours or something, and then my day would repeat. And then oh my the weekends word. I was in there as well, so it was pretty like intense, duggling the job and. The university at the same time, yeah. Um, But then the you know that was how I kind of made the money. I had to continue doing the work, so um, yeah, I did that. And then the year before I graduated, there were like, so it was like twenty. It was like forty work because there was like forty work placements for twenty students. So everyone had like an option of two that they could pick from the year i graduated was the year of the recession and there was one job placement for 20 people
0: mhm i so think we must have graduated at similar major. time yeah
1: i can't remember what year i always like get confused with like the years as to when it was but it was that recession year that year that it kind of like all building work all architecture everything just ground mm-hmm. to a halt no Ugh. one was investing anything in it any- So then I had this degree and they were like, you, you can like skip the work placement and just continue onto your master's program. And I was like, to be honest, I'm exhausted. Like I've been working (laughs) nonstop uh, for four years. I'm tired. And there was, you know, you would have, sometimes there'd be three reports due within the same week. You know, and my dissertation was a hundred thousand words feasibility oh. study on a site on the River Thames. It wasn't oh like gosh. ten thousand words, it was a hundred thousand words. And I had oh. to research the soil structure, the infrastructure, the community structure. Wow. And that was just that section. Plus, you had to do a whole design of a new park mm. and you had to do technical drawings as to how this thing would be built. Yeah. So it was pretty intense. And then I wow. was like, I was like, I I I can't. So I stepped away from that and then um, took some time off of my grandfather lives in Uganda. Um, so I went to visit him and then someone left at Men's Health on the airplane and I picked it up and I was like, oh, maybe I've been trying to apply for jobs and everyone was like, you don't have enough work experience because for nine years I just worked in a processing blood. I'd had no other experience in anything creative mm. apart from the degree. So no one wanted to take you on. So then I had this Men's Health and I kind of called the switchboard and I was like, hi, can I be put through to men's health? They put me through and I spoke to someone and I was like, hi, I'm just wondering, do you have any like work experience? I'm happy to just like make tea and photocopy stuff and whatever. And they're like, we have some stuff on editorial. And I was like, sure, I had no idea what editorial even meant. I was like, yeah, sure, okay, I'll come on. And then I went and then I was there for nine years. And that's oh where gosh. I was. And that's where I moved to London and lived in my little flat above Finchie Road tube station. Um, and that I obviously didn't have a garden. I just had some orchids on a windowsill. So that was kind of my gardening during that time. And then um, and then after that I kind of took a year off and then I moved into events um, and did some fun. And whenever there was like an opportunity to create some kind of gardening in an event, I was like, yep, we'll do that. And then <laughs> um and then, yeah, and then I came here, oh and my then goodness, I kind of on the last plane, and got landed here, and then was in America, and that's basically my rundown of my life <laughs>
0: I love it, oh, my gosh, okay, so much to dig into, so, what was it like? I mean, so you spent sort of uh, majority of your career first doing something entirely uncreative, processing blood. And then you shifted into this men's health um, editorial prof- profession, but you weren't, I mean, you weren't really doing a lot of gardening. Was that something that impacted you or was it just sort of like, eh, not the, not the time, not the season, no big deal?
1: Uh, no. I mean, when I lived in London, I was desperate for a gardening. I remember I lived in the borough of Camden, which is like one of the biggest boroughs in London. And there was, what was it? A 40-year wait list for an allotment.
0: Oh, my but word. But the
1: wait list was closed. So you couldn't even put yourself on the list for 40 years' yeah. time.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, my God.
1: So the opportunity to garden, yeah, there wasn't really, it wasn't there. I mean, but, you know, yeah. I kind of got my fix. That I was just, you know, on that that Instagram um, thing that I was listening to before we, got chatting. The last fact was that London is actually classified as a forest because what? there are over eight million. Yeah, because there are over eight million trees in London and that's near enough one for every person. And twenty percent of London is made up of green space. So it classifies oh, wow. as a forest technically. So you know I used to live up in, as I said, Finchley Road, which kind of was bellside Park. So you would walk Over Primrose Hill, and you would see the whole skyline of London. I used to work in Soho, so I would walk to work and I would see the whole skyline of London. And then you'd walk down, Mm. you'd walk past the zoo, I'd get to see the giraffes, and then I'd walk through Regent's Park. And you know, the bedding was always changing, or there was like art installations Mm -hmm. going in. So I got my fix of kind of nature. And even from like when I was at university, we used to have to get tested on the botanical names of plants every single week. And it would be different to one week, they might give you 20 leaves and you had to look at the leaf, know what it is, know key characteristics of that leaf, and then um, the Latin and common name. And you do the same for bulbs. They might put like 20 Narcissus, 20 daffodil bulbs, and you'd have to know the difference between every single daffodil bulb. That's tete-tete. Oh my gosh. Whatever. So, you know, and they would do it all and it was the whole three years. So even though when I was walking to work, I was always testing myself. I'd walk past people were like, mm. oh, "Shut up!" and I'd be walking past, being like, "Fascia jumper," <laughs> or you know, whatever I'd be oh walking my God. past. And I remember going to the Chelsea Flower Show one year with my friend Gerd, and uh, I used to always do it with him. He used to drive him mad me just walking along reciting plants as we were kind of walking around London. And then we went to the Chelsea Flower Show, and I'm like, and he saw the plant tag, and he's like, "Oh." You, t- you are saying that right, like, Yeah, <laughs> You know what you're just, talking about. <laughs> I'm not just chirping off some Harry, Sp- Harry Potter kind of spell. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I anyway.
0: love that. I am that person whenever we go somewhere new and my husband's just like enduring it because I'm just like, oh, that's this, that's Perfect. that, that's this. I'm way less educated than you are the on the matter, but I usually have a general sense of what's going on with plants because my I just see the world through that lens now and it's just so interesting to me. Um, Oh but I love that you do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I do it all the time. But then, you know, being here in Texas, there's so many things that we would never even have. So, you know, there's so many plants. Everyone's like, well, what's this one? I'm like, I don't actually know what that part is. (laughs) That's
0: the worst. So okay, something you mentioned um about your upbringing is this culture of gardening. And on, yeah. one of the reasons i started this podcast in general was witnessing the culture of gardening in the uk mm-hmm. and i want mm-hmm. to find a way to make that happen here in the us and i just i'm i try to do my little part with my instagram and my podcast and and my brand but i'm curious if you had any insight on how we can get americans to love gardening <laughs> like the brits i mean because and i'm like a diehard monty don fan as well um, oh, we love that he's a babe.
1: Usual. We love monty
0: oh my god um, i know i'm like desperate to know him which is like basically someone I mean, out here being I like know. i want to hang out with martha stewart not happening but who knows? yeah i got
1: to see monty don um when i was at the chelsea flower show i didn't get to speak to him but i did get to see him um which is always and everyone he's like the god of gardening so, you know, everyone yes. at the Chelsea Flower Show, like, I was there on like members day and like Judy Dench was there and Joanna Lumley was there and, you know, Ugh. they're all kind of there and everyone is like, it's Monty, it's Monty. Ugh. You know, um, yeah, he is like the oracle of gardening. Um, I love so it. Everyone loves Monty. John. And we watch him every single night because we have BritBox here, so you can get Gardeners World. So that's what we fall to sleep oh, to. He, we put I him on. I have
0: Yeah, it's you watch Gardeners World, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well. well, and yeah, I do. And what I do is, um, I go back and watch old episodes that align mm. with like the current season that we're in. Oh, yeah. Just That's why I do it. Yeah. It just like keeps me inspired. And it's just, I don't know. I, I mean, just it, love it. But my kids, they know it now too. They're like, we don't want to watch Monty. I'm like, we'll p- just, just, mm. you know, we'll pick out the bugs mm. and like try I try to get them interested. They're totally not interested.
1: <laughs> I think. And I think it is that, I mean, Gardeners World is a huge, I mean, it's the longest running gardening show in the world, I believe. And it's been going mm. 55 years or something. Um, so, you know, every single person, you know, is pretty much grown up with that. And it is very mm-hmm. much, you know, even down to like the... Competitions that we have, you know, grow the biggest vegetable. Right? You know, all those like village fairs and stuff. So you're kind of like, yes, oh, it's so cool gardening. Um, and you know, like the Chelsea and then Hampton Court, and then you, you know, you have a lot more opportunity. I think maybe because it's smaller. You know, every kind of town has mm-hmm. some kind of like stately home that might have like a little garden that's opened for like the summer garden show. And, you know, and you get to like your mm, little mm-hmm. gardening if you don't have a garden, um, so, but yeah, I have definitely noticed there is a difference between the u s and u k when it comes to gardening. um and I just I can't really put my finger on why I don't know whether it's just the the long I don't know whether it's just that it's been more established in our culture like historically mm. for a longer period of time. Yeah. You know, um, and you kind of by default when you're learning about the Tudors, you probably learn a little bit about like the Tudor Rose, and then you learn about roses, mm. you know. So it's kind of like within your yeah. kind of um and then every like country, you know, within the UK it has a flower associated with it. So like Scotland's the thistle, Wales is the mm. daffodil, the Ireland is the shamrock, England's the rose. So you know, there is always mm. like a floral reference within our culture. Um, So I think it's like a multitude of just like seeding lots of different things in. I mean, like coming to America, there was certain things I really struggled to find. Like I really wanted Mm. a long reach watering can, horse watering can. It took me three years to find this watering can, which I eventually found with this uh, online company Hmm. in New York. Um, or somewhere up there, sell is it, it. Is um, it Garden Air?
0: Is yes. it Garden Air? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, they're the best.
1: And the bore tools, you know, I knew about them for years, mm-hmm. and I couldn't bring them over with me from England, but um, I've got all of mm-hmm. you know, I've been building my collection up of those. So you know, when you go to like Home Depot or those, you know, there's not a huge Variety of tools essentially, or it's like those spades with mm-hmm. like a long stick handle, and there's no like a D shape mm-hmm. or a T shape handle on it. So, you know, you don't necessarily mm-hmm. have that. Or if you go to a garden center, especially kind of around here, like, you know, no shade on the garden centers around here, but you know, I'd rather not buy a, a you know, some weird pot. Or you know, a candy floss machine that can go in the garden or something. I'd rather buy like a nice watering can or some like canes or an obelisk or you know all of those kind of like yes. little bits and bobs yes. instead of like one or two tools that are available. I'd rather see a selection of different tools, like a a Dutch hoe. That mm. was another thing that I really struggled to find. Um, mm. I just really like the way a Dutch hoe weeds. Uh, over like mm. um whatever the other hoes are. But yeah, that's true is my kind of like go-to hoe. Um, so yeah. It's, I love kind that. Of, it's kind of that kind of thing, but I do think Gardner's World kind of does help. And especially like during the pandemic, I really liked how Gardner's World did adapt because obviously mm-hmm. they had the robotic cameras, I believe, following Monty because the crew couldn't be in the garden with him. So then they did oh, wow. do those kind of, they did do those like um, reader stories. You know, they would go out to people and be like, yes. we're going to go visit Sally and she's going to be showing how she's grown some zinnias from seeds, you know. And then they yes. go to her and she's like, hi, I'm Sally. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> and that was a very, that was a, that was a pandemic. You know, I imagine it was like a good way to fill time within their slot and get other people. And it, but it was a good mm-hmm. way of showing. And it was like, it made it more real. It was less like glossed. And I think maybe that's another mm. thing when it comes to like television differences between the UK and the US. You know, mm-hmm. bake off, pottery throwdown, gardener's world. There's no competition element. There is a competition Mm-mm. element to it, but it's just like nice. You know, well, it's I've calming. seen
0: these like yes, I've seen these memes online where, cause I'm a diehard um, British baking show competition watcher. Oh, and yeah. they'll be like, you know, in, in the UK, you have like the great British Baking show and everyone's so happy and kind. And it's like so lovely. And we're all crying at the end and it's very heartfelt and in America. It's like, you know, you have to cook something in three minutes and you get like you know, doused in gasoline and then lit on fire as, like, a part of the challenge. It's always so aggressive and so just, like, ridiculous. I think it's just
1: that element of, like, there has to be a fight or a bit of drama. Yeah. And where the big (laughs) drama in the Bake Off or uh, the baking show in the UK is... You know, someone's knocked their eggs off the table, and someone's like, "Oh, I've got two eggs, and I've got right, one spare. Right. Egg. You can have mine and make your three eggs. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I can give up yes. one of my eggs. You know, that's about the biggest trauma that you get, and I oh, think it's just nice God, and relaxing. It's the best. It kind of makes it more real, yes. and I think that's yes, the thing. Yes, the I kind agree. of Putting that kind of real nature, and it also comes back to you know, everyone's like, "I don't have green triangles, I can't garden. It's like, no, you can you're gonna yes. make mistakes and things aren't gonna work and yes you'll probably spend more money setting everything up and you know than what you'll actually get back in like produce or whatever. But number one, you're learning. Number two, you're outside. And number three, you're doing something that you're actually enjoying. And the mm-hmm. fact if you got 10 tomatoes that year doesn't really matter you know, you've yeah. learned something new, you've been outside, you've seen things you've not seen before. And I think that's worth more than those 10 tomatoes that you may absolutely panic. You know, you can see why.
0: <laughs> yes. I no, I love that. Okay. So we're running um, out of time and I have like 10,000 more questions for you, but I ask everyone the same thing. So I have to ask you, I want to know what your favorite gardening books are. I'm amassing this huge list now of oh. like everyone's favorites. And it's, it's I, I order all of them because I am obsessed. So I would love okay. to know your
1: favorites. Well, so I have so many books and um, my mom shipped them all from the UK over to the US. So I have all these kind of English gardening books. Um. So I have Ugh, a Your entire
0: inheritance series. just went out yes. the window.
1: Hello. <laughs> Hello. The um, RHS Encyclopedia of Plants. So mm-hmm. anything from the Royal Horticultural Society, it's a, just a good reference yeah. book. They have all the yeah. plants, and I think they probably they probably reprint it for the US and probably put the the zones on there because normally that's what happens, mm-hmm. especially with like seed and stuff. So that mm-hmm. one. Now my go-to. It's a very random book. And if you could see it, it's basically this book I found on the street in London, which actually has a bookworm hole that runs through it. I love that so much. It's it's called The Secrets of Successful Gardening by Richard Sudell. And it's from like 1939 or something smells like an old yes. book and it's all like stained but basically it's just kind of a good and it's kind of interesting to see like how things have changed or the way to do things but it's kind of like one that does like cuttings and you know tells you about mm. plants or the values of an alpine okay, but house this
0: this is the real information that people need because the google gardeners are not getting this kind of information. Like when Richard was writing his book in 1939, he actually had to do everything and use like real oh, knowledge.
1: Yeah. I it's the best. I mean, you the could tell even, like the, even the sketches inside are like really like fluffy clouds for soils, layers, ash, rubble. Mm-hmm. He's talking about like mm-hmm. soil structure and how to like fertilize mm-hmm, soil. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of an interest. It's, kind of, it's kind of got everything and, you know, talking about it. cordons and, how to create low level trees, espalier, how to like pyramid, mm. you know, all sorts. So anyway, so that one, but that's probably a really random one that maybe you could find somewhere on Amazon. And then the other two mm. that I kind of like is The Jewel Garden by Monty Don and Sarah Don. And that's the mm. kind of like biography of Monty Don and Sarah because you know, Monty was a jeweler and that's how he started. You know that?
0: Okay, I did not know that. I'm so going to be why he, ab- needing to read well, this immediately.
1: Yeah, so that's the why he always garden. talks about the Jewel Garden. Because basically mm. in the 80s, he was a jeweler and used to make God, jewelry. Monty's so cool. And then, during, and then during the recession, they lost everything. And then he basically picked up gardening as a form of kind of therapy, essentially. So that's Ugh. all about kind of their story in the jewel garden how that kind of came about and then another one that is kind of random but i kind of really like i love a book with pictures is um mm. the lost gardens of england and Ooh. it's all so there's a magazine in the uk called country life magazine and it's been going for oh, forever yeah. and ever so basically they've created these books kind of the lost houses of england or the lost gardens so mm. you know back in the 30s the whatever they had all the pictures in the magazine the black and white pictures of what the gardens mm. were like and then over the decades like houses have been pulled down or during the wars you know things were bombed and destroyed mm. so it's got all oh, of these wow, old yeah. pictures of houses and this one's all about like the gardens that were kind of attached to these houses so oh, that's another so kind of cool. interesting like reference one to kind of look back on kind of a fun a fun book.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, we're going to have to do a part 2 because I want to I still want to hear more about your ceramics and how you're going to use your degree, if you're going to use it all the things. <laughs> but I'm just going to leave everybody wondering. Um and so how can everyone find you if they want to learn more about you, ask questions or just get to know you better?
1: Sure. Um so my Instagram is Mark uh Mark London. And that's kind of like my main, my main point where I, where I am. So, um, yeah, so touch base. I read the kind of comments and the stuff. So yeah, let me know.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. It was so lovely hearing your perspective and I'm so excited to see where your garden journey takes
1: you. Perfect. Well, I can't wait to, uh, to hear this all kind of be put together and yeah, let me know if you. I want to chat part two.
0: I will. Absolutely. Okay. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. I shall. Have a good day. I hope this episode has been balm for the soul and inspiration for the heart. I would love if you left a review to let me know your thoughts or anything you're interested in learning. And I'm so grateful that you found this space. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned, visit us at baileyvantassel.com podcast.